As many of you may know, uh, this year we are using a special lectionary called Year W, a women's lectionary for the whole church, put together by Wilda Gaffney, a black woman and an Episcopal priest who crafted this one-year lectionary largely to highlight the stories of women and uh, the feminine divine in the liturgy. And so it's very different from the lectionary we normally have. The Hebrews reading that you heard today is normally, in the lectionary we normally use, is the third option for Christmas Day, which basically means none of you have ever heard it in church. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, what is this? <laughs> and the gospel passage is normally only read in a lot larger context than just this one snippet that we have today about oaths. It comes early in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. The Sermon on the Mount, a lot of people think, oh, that's the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, but it's actually three chapters of Matthew. Following the Beatitudes and a few other, uh, it's mainly a collection of sayings and phrases, there's a series of, of six antitheses where Jesus says you have heard it said but I say so there's a whole series of those so he says you and some of them related to the commandments the ten commandments you have heard it said do not murder but I say to you something along the lines of don't be angry you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, someone who has lust in their heart has committed adultery. So he's, he's kind of tying the commandment of what not to do to perhaps the source of what might cause that action. And then we get this odd section for today's gospel. You shall not, you've heard it said that you shall not swear falsely. But I say to you, do not swear oaths at all. Do not swear oaths at all. It's an odd command in many ways. I don't know about you, but a whole lot of my parenting began with, I swear to God. <laughs> a lot of my parenting. Sorry, kids. But it's also odd because of how central oaths and vows are to our lives as Christians and not to mention our American democracy. Oaths of office, swearing that your testimony will be true. For us in the church, look at our sacraments. Vows, oaths are central to our sacramental lives as Christians. We make baptismal vows. And at baptism and in certain feasts, we renew our baptismal vows. It says in the prayer book, the renewal of baptismal vows. There are marriage vows, ordination vows. So vows and oaths are central to living the Christian life. But here is Jesus saying, don't make oaths at all. 
So what is going on here? Um, as you may know, Jesus can be a little prone to hyperbole as a device. As a device to kind of shock us out of our normal uh, thinking. And in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is trying to shift our thinking and our faith and our spirituality from the letter of the law to the spirit of the law. Because what Jesus sees and what is true is that it is e easier to keep a commandment than to avoid the things that prompt it. It's, I'm pretty confident that I can go through my life avoiding killing someone. But the anger that makes me want to kill someone is a different story. I can go through my life without stealing. But the greed or the jealousy or envy or, or the coveting of something that belongs to someone else is a different story. So what Jesus is doing is pointing us towards what is at the heart of the commandment. He is trying to shift our focus to the content of our character, not just the surface actions. Jesus is also calling out where there is a disconnect between how we present ourselves and who we are. How we present ourselves and who we are. Towards the end of this passage, there's this really interesting thing about do not swear by your head. Anyone you really clear on what that meant? Do not swear by your head. Several, and then he goes on, you know, you can't make your hair white or black. Several scholars think that it's actually a reference to coloring your hair, which was actually a common practice in antiquity. And Jesus is talking about you can change the color of your hair, you can change its appearance, but you can't change the, the true color underneath that coloring. You can change the appearance, but the true nature is still there underneath that dye. Have you ever encountered someone whose actual behavior contrasts with the things that they say. I mean, we all know that phrase, right? Like, do as I say, not as I do. So perhaps you've encountered people like that. And in my experience, sometimes people talk the most about the things they actually do the least or are least capable of doing. Jesus' message is about the harmony of our inner and outer lives and the orientation of our hearts. Earlier this week, I read an interview with a, a Buddhist monk who has been labeled the happiest man in the world or the happiest man on earth. 
And this is because researchers have studied his brain while he's meditating and have done all this research on uh, neuroplasticity. Now, this monk actually laughs at being called the happiest. He says, when I die, my epitaph should say, here lies the happiest man on earth. <laughs> but in the interview, he makes a distinction between indignation and anger. Indignation, or what some, we, you could call it righteous anger versus non-righteous anger. He says indignation has room for compassion. Whereas just pure anger is rooted in malevolence. Indignation can lead you to seek a remedy. Whereas anger and malevolence Malevolence is just grounded in ill will. I've been thinking about this a lot this week. There is a person in my life, not part of St. John's, who made some statements accusing me of certain things, nothing like unethical, illegal, or anything like that, and questioning my motives about some things to several people, but never spoke to me. And I've been carrying a lot of anger about that, a lot of anger, and trying to figure out what to do with it. This person, I have not actually had a conversation, but I heard everything that was said, and I'm really angry. And this passage and the article from the monk kind of got me thinking like, okay, how can I, I think, I think my indignation is justified, but I'm not in indignation, I'm in anger. And how could I flip that a little more compassionately to see maybe this person's comments are coming out of their own insecurity in some way, or fear. But what I'm mainly feeling is my own rage rather than any kind of compassion or looking towards that person. Which means, of course, that this person lives rent-free in my brain. <laughs> uh, I can't remember who said it, but, but uh, you know, there's that great line about holding on to resentment is like eating rat poison and expecting it to kill the rat. <laughs> like, that's... That's pretty much where I am. It is said that preachers preach what they most need to hear. Hmm. Interesting. So I want you to, I want to invite you to join me over the course of this week in some self-examination prompted by this gospel passage and by what Jesus is trying to do in this passage. What are the contradictions within yourself? Where is there a disconnection between what you say and what you feel or what you do? That's so important, I think. Sometimes examining what we say versus what we do.
There's that saying about Christians that they'll know us by our love. And also preach the gospel at all times, only when necessary, use words. Do our words match up? This is one I think a lot about. How authentic is how you present yourself to the world compared to who you really are? Now, we all have things in our lives that we carry and don't necessarily want the whole world to know about, and that's appropriate. But uh, every time I look at Facebook, I realize all of us, including myself, are just, you know, as someone said, Facebook is just a bunch of Christmas cards to everybody every day. It seldom shows that truth. Like, how, how authentic is who we present ourselves uh, to the world? Because I think that's what Jesus is really getting at, right? You can dye your hair all shades of colors, but what's your true nature? What is really there? The reality is that these internal contradictions and conflicts cause suffering. They cause suffering in our own lives. And sometimes as a result, they cause suffering for others. We inflict suffering on others because of our own contradictions. Or we receive suffering because of someone else's contradictions and how they act towards us. So back to the monk. As a reminder, Thomas Merton, famous Christian monk, did a bunch of work with Buddhists, and he talked about uh, the way that uh, Christian theology and spirituality could work together with non-theistic Buddhism. So I'm quoting a Buddhist monk not to sound like just your typical Marin clergy person. Um, but there, I think there's actually something here, right? The monk, the happiest person in the world, said compassion is about remedying both suffering and its cause. That's what I love, right? It's not just about this remedying the suffering, but it's about remedying the cause. It's about justice. It's about the deeper things causing that. One of the commentators on this passage said, it's a lot easier to go to the temple and make a sacrifice than it is to work for justice. So true compassion is not just the surface actions, but really trying to address the cause. The gospel passage that we have today is immediately followed by Jesus' statement about turning the other cheek. And that is followed by his statement, you have heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And then towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, we get the golden rule. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. 
pretty consistent with what that monk's saying. He's on to something. I think Jesus is talking about this kind of harmony in the passage. Notice at the end, he said, let your answer be yes, yes, or no, no. Which I think means don't say yes when your heart is saying no. Or don't say no when your heart is actually saying yes. He's inviting us into sort of a unified harmony of our inner orientation and so that our outward behaviors match our inward orientation and the contradictions fall away and the suffering we ourselves experience falls away and the suffering we inflict on others falls away. We find this harmony in the person of Jesus, which is really the point of what is being described in the Sermon of the Mount, that Jesus himself is the example of this. And it is in following him that we truly discover ourselves and who God calls us to be.